This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello there, welcome to the Premier League Tonight podcast. This week we were at Goodison Park for Everton against Southampton and joined by Glenn Hoddle, Owen Hargreaves and a rather nervous Franny Benali. Southampton took a huge blow in their battle for survival as a 96-minute sucker punch from Everton saw them snatch a last-minute draw. But where does that leave the relegation candidates now? Stoke City were the first team to be relegated this season as they fell 2-1 to Crystal Palace at the Bet365 and Swansea remain in the thick of it after losing 1-0 at Bournemouth. West Brom, however, remain in the Premier League by the skin of their teeth following a dramatic last-minute win against Spurs. We talk about who we thought were going to go down alongside the Potters. It's a happier story for Brighton than Hove Albion, however, as they secured their Premier League place for next season after beating Manchester United. We'll discuss how good a job Chris Hewton has done on the South Coast. And there's big news in Scotland as friend of the show, Stephen Gerrard, is announced as the Rangers manager. We hear from the man himself as he embarks on a huge challenge. And finally, as it's the last Premier League tonight of the season, we talk about the World Cup. And there is no way we can stop Glenn Hoddle from picking his ideal England side for the first match. Um, obviously, the breaking news this evening is the, the sad news that Sir Alex Ferguson has undergone an operation in hospital. Um, just to reiterate, if you've not heard it, Manchester United have released a statement in the last few minutes saying that Sir Alex Ferguson has undergone emergency surgery today for a brain hemorrhage. The procedure, the procedure has gone very well, but he needs a period of intensive care to optimise his recovery and his family requests privacy in this matter. Um, so that's the latest news, of course. If any other news emerges um, on the operation that Sir Alex Ferguson has had, then, of course, we will bring that to you. But let's, uh, let's turn our attention to the day's games. Let's have a quick look at the headlines from today. Bye, 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 Delilah. I'm afraid it is all over for Stoke beaten 2-1 today. And after 10 years in the Premier League, they are now in the Championship for next season. But being a Norwich fan, it's not all bad. Um, Baggies believe 
They are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. The 96th minute goal here means that they remain a Premier League side. And whatever happens for the end of the season, hasn't Darren Moore done the most incredible job there just to keep them hanging on? He got involved with some very difficult games to go. And finally, sinking Swans, defeat for them. And then a point here for Southampton means that as things stand, they have indeed sunk into the bottom three. Southampton are currently just outside. Let's have a, a quick look at the results from the day. Um, it's a funny one, really, because we sort of still expect them to go down. But what a remarkable, incredible job Darren Moore has done at West Brom. It, it's, it's hard to fathom it out, really, isn't it? Well, when you think about some of the fixtures, you know, that, that he's taken over. Man United away, oh. Liverpool, Tottenham today. I mean, unbelievable results, really, to be able to get a result, to get results against those teams when they looked completely dead and buried. It, looked, it look, still looks too much. Mm. But to be able to do what he's done is, is, is astonishing, really. And if you're a Baggies fan, you're asking where these performances were earlier in the season from your players, aren't you? Well, to a degree, yes, of course. And, and I think they thought they were all down. They all thought they were down. The chain's come off and, and Darren's gone in there and they probably liked him behind the scenes. They thought he was, you know, respected him as a, a really good, good guy. And they've wanted to play for him. And he's probably said, let's go out and just play football. Let's play with the chains off. And it's worked for him. It's against the opposition that's impressive. It's not picking up points against average teams down there battling with them. He's done marvellous. But what emotions they must have gone through yeah. today watching the Everton oh, game here. Unbelievable. Well, let's have a quick look at the table then and just let you know how things are sitting with very few games left um, at the top. It's getting close to being finalised. There's a big game tomorrow, of course, between Liverpool and Chelsea. If that goes Chelsea's way, that starts to open things up towards the top there. Everton sitting eighth after the point here today. Uh, congratulations to Burnley as well. They are in European competition next season. What a brilliant, brilliant season they've had under Sean Dyche this year. But take a look at the bottom. Franny, your thoughts ahead of Tuesday at Swansea. I mean, it comes down to that, doesn't it? Even before today's game, Jake, it was a, a huge fixture Tuesday's game against Swansea. There's the feeling of the disappointment from Samson's perspective, I'd say, given the way that the, the, the equaliser was scored today. Um, but you saw straight away, even in Mark Hughes's post-match interview, straight away he's talking about some positives. You know, like there was that initial disappointment that you could see on everybody's faces. But now it's about focusing, recovering from today's game, preparing for Tuesday and taking the, the, the positives out of not just today, but also that building the momentum from the Bournemouth fixture as well. And there's, there's, I see it, you know, I thought it could even come down to goal difference. It yeah. could be that close. But, you know, Southampton are looking pretty good in that position on that sense. But what a massive game. And Huddersfield are very much in that mix now, aren't they? They've got two incredibly difficult fixtures. Without a doubt, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think Huddersfield will be delighted that Everton have uh, ended up with the, the fortunate draw, you know, because I think that would have given them even more uh, heartache. But uh, no, it's going to. Who's going to keep their nerve? You, you, it looks like you know that that battle between Swansea and Southampton. What a game that's going to be! But if Southampton play like anywhere near like they did yeah. today, they created enough chances there. They played with a lovely shape. Since he's gone to a back three. Mark, Mark Hughes has, has improved this Southampton team and, and that's good for next season in many ways. Now it's about results. Play poorly and win. It doesn't matter. You've got to try and get the results uh, coming through. But they, I, think, I think Southampton finished with City, don't they? Man City at, Man home. City at home. yeah. They're all playing in the World Cup. All them players will be playing in the World Cup and you'd have a little whisper in their ear. And as, as for Huddersfield, that game. Huddersfield's next three, Man City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. I mean, if they don't get another point from one of those three games, you, you could see them slipping in. That could be it for them. They've surprised a few teams, even in the top six, surprised United earlier in the season. They're capable, but fixture-wise, it's, it's remarkable they're going to finish with those three fixtures. I mean, they, look, they could easily get a point. I think if you're Southampton, I think you, Mark Hughes would be proud and positive. You know, the, Glenn makes a good point. 
you know, the shape has made a difference, but I thought today they were terrific. They were very good against Chelsea, so unlucky. Terrific against Bournemouth. Mm. Goalkeeper McCarthy's making big saves at crucial, crucial times. I think there is a bit of momentum there. He'll be disappointed they didn't get three points, but I thought they were by far the better team today. OK, well, it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions, I'm sure, today for the West Brom fans. In fact, for all the fans down there towards the bottom, it's been an incredible season of highs and lows, and we've been here every step of the way. We've now got a hungry side, a young side, that can really do things. Come on, Stoke. Currently sit joint top of the league, point, point. I'm absolutely buzzing, fully, fully deserve that. Getting Stoke. It's embarrassed to be a Palace fan today. Somehow we've found a way to beat Chelsea 2-1 at Selhurst Park. I'm a big Slam and Billich fan. Your time's up, mate. Your time is up. Man United come to little old Huddersfield. And we stuff them 2-1. What happened to guaranteed survival with Pius in charge? Sorry, Tony, but it's time for you to go. All we keep reading is David Moyes. We're in big, big trouble. What a game we had today against Stoke. 2-1 winners, last-minute goal. Those are the moments that make football such a beautiful game to watch. We're bottom of the league. Only one person's going to pay the price, and that's going to be Paul Clement. I think today was the day that I, I well and truly... You know, except the point that Hughes has to go. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Paris win away. Oh, yes. Pellegrino is in a whole world of trouble. And we are singing hymns and arias. Three big points for super, super Carlos. Come on, you jacks. We've not won since August, uh, which is... Mental, you know, it's 18 games without winning the Premier League. Absolutely gutted. We were totally robbed by Watford there with a last-minute handball. Maybe we'll get relegated from the points that we've lost today. Pardew needs to leave. His reign has been a complete and unmitigated disaster. Pretty pleased with Mark Hughes. Hopefully he'll get the three or four wins that we need to ensure Premier League survival. I've never seen a worse Saints performance. And you'd think they would at least put some more effort in for this game. But now I think we're down. West Ham 3, Southampton 0. That is three massive, massive points. I think they've given all the can this season and I'm not sure there's much left to give. We're just going to have to hope that there's three sides worse than us. The wheels seem to be coming off the Swansea roller coaster. Hopefully, it's just an illusion. Two more chances. We've really got to make those chances count. If Southampton win later, then so be it. Darren Moore's restored a lot of pride in the Albion. Uh, another win today and beating in five. If we stay up, it's a miracle. If not, he's got to get the job now. That's it. He's the man for it. We've got that goal. We're staying up. But. All of a sudden, the adulation came just crashing down. It was heartbreaking. That was essentially what I felt. Heartbreak in that one moment when they seen the ball bulge against the net. It's half time at Stoke. We're 1 0 up, but if, if the lights don't think we necessarily deserved it, but I'll take it obviously this stage of the season. We didn't deserve to win. We don't deserve to stay up. Goodbye, Premier League. It's been fun. Hopefully, we'll be back soon. What a cool season. Amazing, isn't it, when you look at... Are you, are you with us? Are you? Sorry, I was actually trying to do, my, oh, do some homework. What's actually? your homework? I can help you with that. What do you oh, need I was to asking. Can West Brom technically stay up? They can, can they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure out the commentators on the entire game. We're trying to do the We're more professional than you, by the way. We're looking ahead. So, on Tuesday, it has to be a draw on Tuesday, I think. That's what I'm thinking. And then that means that West Brom... So it would have to be a draw 
and then it would be an absolute miracle. And then West Brom would have wow. to win, and Swansea and Southampton yeah, would both have to lose. Yeah. Right. Well, what do you do on a Friday before the game? Is that not what Fridays are for? Prep day? Is that not? Looking after the kids. I do, uh, well, my kids, but also I do the notes of our game. That's of course point. you do. Of course you do. Um, right, let's, uh, let's talk about the relegation battle then. Um, let's just carry on talking, I guess, then about, about West Brom. Do you think Darren Moore should get the job? Well, I don't think anybody in the country thinks he shouldn't. Surely not, after, after the performance against Manchester United and Liverpool and, uh, and Tottenham today. Remarkable, really. And I think having somebody that knows the club that's been there... You know, I think the fans identify with that. I've got friends who, who, who are West Brom fans who say they'd love to have him regardless of what happens. And I think he's obviously, it's Glenn, he's got a relationship with the players which has helped maybe taking the reins off a bit. And uh, they've responded. Amazing results. You were saying earlier, though, you've got to be a little bit careful. You can't judge be, him in this period. You've got to be careful as a caretaker manager. It's, and history will tell you that sometimes that doesn't work out. And, and Darren himself has gone on. All I'm doing is preparing for one game, every game, one game, one game. It's different. When you get the job and you've got a three-year contract, you're now, it's a season you're planning for. Every bit of responsibility is on your shoulders. Of course, at the moment... Look, every Baggies fan will say, give him the job. And if he stays up, he deserves it. Of course, it would be an unbelievable miracle. But you've got to look at the long term. Is he right to, to... I think they'll buy into something long term. If he was going to be somebody that they were going to bring through the club and eventually work with all the managers that are there and he's going to be our manager one yeah. day, then that's different. That never happens, though. It's always like, well, we'll give you the job to take over because that's where we're at. That's all we can do at the moment. The pressure's not on. Darren hasn't really experienced what management is like yet. And any caretaker hasn't experienced it until you actually get in there and there's a whole season, a whole pre-season to plan and you go from there and you have to motivate the players from that level. It's a little bit easier in the sense that everyone at West Brom thought they were down anyway mm. when Darren took over. So is still you just got to be careful. Thing, though, is long-term planning when it comes to management. Well, because if Darren Moore gets the job, let's say they stay up, he gets the job and wins the first five games of the season, well, Everton might give him a job. If he gets the job and loses the first five games, he's lost his job anyway. So I, I wonder whether this is something that clubs should still be looking for the long-term answer or whether you give people jobs for the period that you're in at that time. And at the moment, he's the perfect man for the job and might be at the start of next season as well. I think it's a big thing. He wants to take it forward himself. You know, like he's, he's been at the club. The guys have mentioned already, he's got that backing and support quite obviously from the players and the supporters. So it, it's almost a bit of a, an obvious fit in many ways. It's his desire, I'd say, to take the minor, which I'm sure he would love the opportunity to do so. Um, and they're still, you know, the first and foremost, they've got this potential still to stay up this season, which has got to be the focus, and then maybe look at it in the summer moving forward. I suppose there's a big, there's a big job there over the summer, isn't there? Because if he gets the job, he has to look at the backroom recruitment and the medical setup. That's, when the, real, that's when the real job starts, yeah. Yeah. actually. It's the real job. But what about him alongside like a, an experienced guy coming in with him is it a bit like Steven Gerrard and Gary McAllister have gone to Rangers is that not an option maybe they should be looking at well you think that league as well the championship I mean it's such a difficult league to actually get out of Darren I think, knows it He's I think Glenn makes it. a great point in the sense of maybe in a perfect scenario if you would ask Dan before he probably could have been an assistant manager to somebody experienced coming in and then maybe taken over after that but obviously he's taken the reins and he's done so well unbeaten in five that almost looks like he has to actually take the job because maybe becoming assistant would be a step down. Mm. But uh, either way, it'd be remarkable if he wasn't in, ch in charge or as an assistant next season, somehow. He's, he's, he's a personality and a character that you, mm. you want to do well. Yeah. You? You, know, you want things to go well for him because he's such a likeable guy. You see how much he's loved by the supporters and the players. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to see someone kick on in, in their own career in a manager. We saw his reaction from the goal. 
against Tottenham today and he was kneeling down, wasn't he, on the Didn't floor. Move. The whole yeah. place was erupting around him and he just stayed on his on his knees. Didn't just, move, did he? I like that, Just though. pondering. Yeah, but in two years' time, if he's still manager then, that would be, oh, he's got no passion. Yeah. That's how it goes. Well, if That's you, how it goes. If you're winning games, it's OK to be like that. If you're of losing, course, yeah. but, you know, you can't win every single game in a football okay. match. OK. Finally, um, should he get the job? One word answers, or even two if you want. Yes. Yeah. I think he will get the job, yes. Yes. I like you've turned should he get the job into a <laughs> Do you think he should get the job? Or is that a risk? <sighs> you think it's a risk, don't you? I just think it's a bit of a risk, yeah. Uh, Emotionally, he should get the job, without a doubt. Every baggie will be saying that. But I, I just think long-term, it's a different job. He's earned a chance, though, hasn't he? He's earned the opportunity, or is it too of much? Of course. Listen. Is it too much to let someone do that when you're running a football club? Oh, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to go with your head. You know, the owners or the people that decide have got to go with their head rather than yeah. their heart. In any form of business, you've got to do that. OK. Um, you may well know of the sad news that's been breaking this evening that Sir Alex Ferguson, a man who, of course, won 13 Premier League titles in his time as the manager of Manchester United, is ill in hospital. Just a few days ago, of course, he was on the pitch at Old Trafford alongside Arsene Wenger and Jose Mourinho celebrating Arsene Wenger's career and of course all of us here at BT Sport send him our very best wishes. The statement from Manchester United says that Sir Alex Ferguson has undergone emergency surgery today for a brain hemorrhage. The procedure has gone very well but he needs a period of intensive care to optimise his recovery and his family requests privacy in this matter. Um, lots of thoughts and prayers coming in from people um, across social media. Vincent Company says hang in there Sir Alex, thoughts are with your family and your close ones. Um, Liverpool Echo have tweeted to say when the Hillsborough disaster happened Sir Alex Ferguson was straight on the phone to offer his help in any way he could we want to wish the former Manchester United manager a speedy recovery after undergoing emergency surgery for a brain hemorrhage and the Premier League have said the thoughts of everyone at the Premier League are with Sir Alex Ferguson and his family Right, let's turn our attention to Stoke now and they were relegated from the Premier League today defeat earlier on these were the thoughts of Paul Lambert you go way back to July, August time. That that's when your season starts, and that's if you don't start right and you don't get a grip of it, you end up in trouble. And I think that's what's happened. In some ways, I suppose if you're the manager that's only been in there a few games, you're kind of keen to point back towards the start of the season. But I mean, he has a point, though, doesn't he? They didn't they didn't do it right in the in the transfer dealings that they've done. Well, forget the start of the season. How about like you just said, the, the transfer window? I mean, they've wasted some money. Stoke, recruitment. Recruitment is such a big issue. We spoke about Everton today. Some of the money that they wasted. Stoke don't have that type of money to spend. Vimmer has been not the player that, that we saw at Tottenham for whatever. Mbula last season was, was a mess. Berahino, they got Hesse on loan. That didn't work out. Didn't virtually play without, I mean, how many of those would you, look at, would you look at those and say... That player has transformed Stoke this season. He's made a real difference for us. Chupa Moting's been... They're two best players they got for free. Yeah, Chupa Moting and, yeah. and Zuma on loan. Zuma is probably their best, the best player out of that. Actually, in Jai, it came in in January. He's been good. He's played really well. Took the play, place in, in midfield from Darren Fletcher. But recruitment's been a big issue for them. If you cast your mind way back... I, I watched Mark Hughes' team at Stoke play with the four little technicians. And they were impressive sometimes at home. They had Shaqiri, uh, Bojan, Afalai and, and, and Altovic all playing. And there was games where they were exciting. You talked about entertainment. They were entertaining. They won a few games, but they couldn't do it consistently. But the, but the fans were enjoying it. They were enjoying the way they were watching football. But in the end, Mark got pushed out of there. He was sacked. The next person comes in, and then it's gone. And now they're out of the Premier League. 
So what so, you're saying, they shouldn't have tried to play entertaining football, they should have just tried to get results? Well, I'm just anyway. saying what you were saying earlier, if there's a team, certain teams have got, you know, and fans have got to understand that there's a level, there's a position where you should be happy if you're Stoke and you're in the top half of the division, if you're Leicester. And at the moment, Everton, if you're in that sort of eighth position that they're in, you've got to be happy at this moment in time. And suddenly they started, we don't like the way that it's been played under Tony Pulis. We want to change the style. And they went the other way. They had all these little Ford technicians. I watched them play Man City and beat them 3-0. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They went away the next week and got beat 2-0 away and got absolutely pumped. So, in the end, if you're down there and you're, you're saying to yourself, right, mid-table is going to be where we, we want to go. We want to stay up, first and foremost, mid-table, and then whatever we kick on from there, it's a different story. You've got a, you've got a plan for that. Those sort of players, OK, in a top six team, you can get away with that because you've got the defenders, brilliant defenders, strong defenders, best in the world, to balance off your team. Yeah. But you can't do that. And you're not in the entertaining world. If you're a club like that, you've got to be in the top league. If you're in the top league, stay in the top league. Number one priority. It's, it's getting that blend and balance, as Glenn says. You know, like, yes, you can have those creative players maybe at home, but... Do you look at playing... Teams set up differently home and away sometimes, but do you have almost like a definite change in lineup personnel, possibly? Not just tactics, away from home? You know, if, if, if you've got Brandy, the flair... it's a good point. I mean, they, had the, they were the worst team away from home, Stoke. So, you know, it's an issue, obviously, for, for them. He's right. Maybe those flair players, or some of those flair players at home are good, but away, obviously, it's an issue for them. So do you, do you sort of bind this theory that you, you can't be a mid-table team and entertain as well? Surely you have to be able to do both. I mean, he just didn't get his defence right. He got his attack right, but he didn't get his defence right. Yeah, and, and before that, Tony Pulis got the defence right with his teams, but everyone was moaning about how they, how they didn't go out and play and, and, and play attacking football when they needed to or when they could do. So the, you've got to get... A manager has to get the balance right, of course, but I'm just trying to make the point that mm. they went down this road of entertainment first, they're now dumped out of the league. A few years later, they've been dumped out of the league. And what would they put up with now? The fans, I'm sure, would want to be in the Premier League, not in the Championship. Glenn, do you think, as a manager, you think if, if you lead the Premier League and goals conceded, it doesn't matter, you've got no chance really, no, have you? You've, I mean... got, you've got, whoever you are, if you're a manager, you've got to see where your Achilles heel is and put it right. And if it's not scoring enough goals, then you go out and create and you try and put a platform together, a formula to create, or you buy a striker that you know yeah. is going to put, get your goals or whatever. If it's defence, then you've got to tighten that up. You've got to all work as a unit. You've got to make sure that you're defending from the front to the back, where if you're going to press, all them things are on the training ground. All them things are preparation before you go into a game. You know, and um, that's what you've got to get right as a manager. But I think certain clubs have got to be in the Premier League, per se. Whether they're eight, you know, sort of 16th in the league, 15th, it doesn't matter. If they're 8th from there, that's their job spec. That's what your manager needs to know. We want to be survival in this league and we want to be in here for the next 10 years. OK? You might not be here for 10 years, but that's what we want. That's what the fans should be educated about, into. And they don't. They get carried away. Oh, why are we not... You know, Leicester fans are, are unhappy at the moment and, you know, uh, Everton fans are unhappy. So you, you think there needs to be more realism from fans? Yeah, of course. I, I yeah. think there's an element of... The, when when a there's a managerial change, there's the, the incoming manager, whoever it may be, is largely inheriting a squad that a previous manager has, has assembled. So... You know, it's that continuity. If, you, if you're constantly changing or on a short-term basis, there's, there's never any real settled squad that a manager can choose and pick from. It's almost like you're still picking 
from a previous managers or choices that, that are at the club. It's a fantasy, I think. I think it's a fantasy to think you can all of a sudden just change the football and, and, and be better. Look, Southampton last season, Cloud Puel gets a sack. They want to play nice football. Outside of the top six, possession-wise, they're one of the best teams in the country, Southampton. They might go down. West Brom, mid-season, for some reason, don't want to play any more defensive football. Let's play nicer. Crystal Palace. They're going to go down. Trying to change the Yeah, but at least, mm. at least Roy Hodgson had Zaha and he had Towns and he had people mm. to score goals for him. You know, Stoke don't have that. They're relying on Mam Duff, who virtually played as a wing-back at times this season, to get them all the goals. I feel sorry for Shakiri. You know, he's the shining light in that team, trying to create. But if you ask Paul Lambert, honestly, he'd say that team didn't have enough quality. How big is the challenge going to be trying to keep the players together to come back up again? Oh, well, that's, that's another story. That's contractual. That's all, you know, players to come. That, that championship is a tough, tough league, as we yeah. know. Big clubs of... But, you know, it's not like Huddersfield, is it, where they've, where they've come up and they go back down... These players are only Premier League players. They've been in the Premier League for 10 years, Stoke. So. Of course, yeah. That's tough. They're not going to keep them players. Can you see Shakiri playing there next year? No. No chance. chance. No chance. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. No. They all moan about that. Right, let's get into the action. Um, last night, Brighton against Manchester United. Um, it was a crucial game uh, goal for Brighton. But all you want to talk about, Owen, is the attempted scorpion <laughs> kick, right? To be fair, it's brilliant from Glenn Murray. I know he's had a good season, but that's a bit oh. ambitious for him. That little... Uh... That little scorpion kick, but massive, <laughs> massive really for Brighton. Uh, such an important result. There, watch Glenn Murray goes for that. Whoop! <laughs> Listen, at least he thought about it. Um, it's creative, I like it. 28.3 millimetres over the line, and Tom Phillips, who was a Brighton fan, certainly enjoyed it. Well, what a way to start the bank holiday weekend. Absolutely amazing result. You couldn't ask for anything better. It was absolutely perfect. We get a clean sheet. We beat Man United. And most of all, we're staying up in the Premier League for yet another season. Sorry, boys, you're going to have to deal with me for yet another season. On the other hand, Mr Chairman, thank you. Mr Houston, thank you. Oh, and Mr President Dick Knight, happy birthday. Yeah, not a bad birthday. Um, in the ad break, you were busy telling us that you're totally responsible for that because you talk for suit <laughs> and everything he knows. <laughs> no. oh, was I was not meant to say that. <laughs> no, it was lovely. <laughs> no, it's lovely to see him. I played 13 years with Chrissy. Yeah. I think he was uh, badly done by some of the clubs that, that, that sacked him. Like Norwich. With a, yeah, like your team. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I'm absolutely delighted to see what he's done there. His recruitment there has been fantastic. You know, if, uh, to finish for is he's a great lad. He's such a well-liked lad. And, uh, yeah, well, he was one of my assistants at Tottenham and I'm so, so proud of what he's done and pleased mm. for him. Look at him, he's so level-headed as well. He won't get carried away. He'll be thinking next year. Already now, he'll be planning for next year. I'm really pleased for him because yeah. there was a little story when I was doing my challenge for charity recently, going to each of the grounds. When we arrived at Brighton, they played a game at home. They, I think they conceded a late goal or they might have even lost the game. Yet he stayed on to sort of welcome us to the club and have a chat and things nice. like that. When you think off the back of a, an important match, mm. you would have, could easily have just cleared off and you yeah. could have forgiven him. Yeah. But it shows the character of the man. It's rare that you find someone in football where everybody has something nice to say about him. But the, the reality and the important thing is the football. Second lowest budget in the Premier League. And he now has them sitting there in 14th and on the number of points they need. Well, I think, you know, you need a great manager, but you also, you know, Glenn said, recruitment. You know, they've recruited, I think, incredibly well. Mandy Ryan in goal has, been, has made some key saves. Uh, he's quite off the left-hand side, has scored some big goals as well. I think Proper's come into midfield and had an impact on the team. And I think they've, they've not spent fortunes, but they spent well. And all the players have had an impact on their side. And Glenn Murray. You got to say the experience. goals. Look, you know, goals he's scored. You know, you need a goal the manager needs to say, "Like, I rest you at the right time." 
Mm. You know, you can't get that out of him playing at that level, at that age. He's rested him at the right time. Believe me, you'd have had to rest him. He'd done things special for him. He's produced it for him as well, you know, on the pitch. He scored goals and, uh, and he's a talisman. And even if the Scorpio kick didn't come off, <laughs> we like him. I, I mentioned Pascal Gross as well. He's been an impressive signing and an important one. Mm. I think only Ozil, De Bruyne and one other has had more assists than him in the Premier League. Ericsson as well. Again, talking about this nice balance to a side, you know, it, it, that first season was always going to be a huge challenge, wasn't it? You know, and survival was the, the priority, but he's got a good balance there. He's got a squad playing for him. Good, good ownership as well. You know, he's got that backing as well from the owners. So it's ticking a lot of boxes down there. We covered their first game, do you remember? Early in the season, Brighton Man City. Man City, and I said to him afterwards, I phoned him up and said, look, you're unlucky there. You'd, you'd held on, you'd, you'd gone toe-to-toe. I think they scored from set play and they lost the game. But you're not going to be playing Man City every week. Yeah. And I, I thought then that they were going to have a real good chance of staying up. He's done more than that. It's been brilliant. And have you spoke to him since last night? Not since last night. That's no. nice. No. <laughs> little well-done text, no? No, not at the moment. It's football, cutthroat, isn't it? No, we'll be in touch with him now. Of course you will, of course you will. Uh, right, from a manager who's had a brilliant season to a man who is just starting out, and I have to say, if he's with us less because of this, Rangers' gain is our loss. Stephen Gerrard has a new job, and here are his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a bit of a whirlwind, if you like. Um, I'm not sure the exact day, you know, maybe a week, eight days ago. I got a phone call off Liverpool, um, and Liverpool said to me, uh, Rangers like the opportunity to speak to you. Um, what would you like to do? And I said yes. I'd like to uh, sit down and speak to them and hear what they've got to say. Um, so that was the beginning of it. And then since then, you know, we've had uh, lots of discussions and and, and talks. And um, you know, I'm really excited to to be on board as as the manager. And I'm really looking forward to the challenge ahead. And what did the club have to say to you? How did they persuade you? They didn't have to persuade me. Um, you know, the, I'm well aware of the size of this football club, the, the history and the tradition. Um, you know, it was a, a fantastic opportunity for me, um, and one that yeah, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I've got confidence and belief in myself and my staff that we can come in here and and make a difference. Um, and we want to give these supporters a team to be proud of um, and try and create a a winning team. That's the most important thing. How important is that first conversation he has with the Rangers players? Well, it's, it's very important, but uh, that, that's, more, it's, that's not the initial thing. The initial thing is, yeah, a conversation. The, the most important thing is over the next period of time, the next three or four months planning, you know, the pre-season going into the game, into the season. Um, the first day, there's going to be a bit of nerves and whatever. He just needs to settle down, get the footballs out quick. That's the best way of breaking down the communication levels is to not much speeches and whatever. Yeah. That will come in time. He'll get his points across. He's got Gary Mack with him, I believe, yeah. which is going to be, you know, fantastic for him. Um, but get the footballs out early. Get them out and get that's where you break all the communication down. That's what he's going there for, to coach and to be a manager and, and be successful. And we know that he can inspire people. He can lead people. He's captain Liverpool. He's delivered speeches. He's done all that. But this is for the first time almost, a proper full-time job, isn't it? He's got to go in there and he's got to choose his backroom staff and he's got to be the first in and the last out. How daunting is it when you first realise actually what is involved in managing a football club and it is not just picking 11 players and having a game of football? Oh, it's completely different to punditry. It's different to playing. You, you know, as a player, when you're experienced sometimes, when you're over 30 and you're, you're looking at the manager and you're sort of almost saying, well, I wonder if I would do it that way. I'll probably do it a little bit different. Oh, I like that. And you're taking things on board. But it suddenly becomes your responsibility 
and you've got to make all the decisions, it is a completely different job. And you can only, only experience it and learn from it, from the experience it. and doing it. You cannot... It's, it's completely different. The, the number one thing will be his half-time, first half-time when they're 1-0 down and every player's looking at him and almost saying, what are you going to do, Gaffer? What do we do? And that is real management. That's when yeah, you start to But your first half-time team talk. I think we were two up at the time. Right? Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier. We, to be honest, we lost the first game against Watford. But that's where I started to learn. Yeah. And it's a fantastic learning curve. And you have to learn quickly. And you have to have that belief in yourself and that confidence and, and communication. But for me, the first few days was get the footballs out. It breaks everything down. And then slowly but surely you get your ideas across. Do you think that would have helped with, uh, you know, with your start as opposed to such a high-profile spotlight that Gerard's going into yeah. you know is that going to be too much for him I, I don't know if it'll be too much for him um it's a tough it's a tough job because unless there's a lot of money going to be thrown it let's be fair to catch up Celtic's going to take time it's not going to happen in one season or two seasons it needs money and if it and if they're not going to get the money they're not going to give him the money he needs time so it's money there shorter term maybe if not, four or five years to improve them young players. We were talking earlier, he needs to use the loan system incredibly well. He's got that connection with Liverpool, obviously. There might be players from Liverpool going there, but he needs to use the loan system if he hasn't got the money there to go and do what he wants yeah, to I do. I mean, I sent him a text earlier, and I know actually Mark Allen, who's, who was probably one of the reasons behind Stevie getting out, who works there as well, and he's great. He was from the Manchester City Academy. He ran there and went to Rangers. I think it's a great opportunity for the pair of them. I think they almost need each other. I think it's a great name to bring to Scottish football. I think it's going to attract fans, it's going to attract eyeballs. I think Rangers, there's not many jobs you can walk into. You're the second best team in the country. So I think it's a, it's a terrific place. I think there's more upside to it rather than managing the championship, which is a level that a lot of us ex-players don't know. And I think he's probably looking along the lines more of, you know, a, a Pep Guardiola and a Zidane, kind of their first job and having a bit he's of success. He's setting the benchmark high there. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying but, 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 is he's looking at thinking he, they've had success in their first job. And I think Stevie, his personality, you know, he'll believe that he can go in there and have an impact. I just wonder what's, what's his playing style going to be? He's learned from so many managers. What's his philosophy going to be in terms of setting his team out to play? What, what Franny's point is, is it's a good point. I went in at Swindon level and you, and you learn on the job. You, that's what I'm saying, you actually learn on the job. Now, if you go to a Rangers or a bigger club, learning on the job is very difficult. Yeah. It, can, it can spank you in the face. But you have to learn all them things. Fortunately, it worked out for me, and we were successful at Swindon, and then I, I, it was a stepping stone to go to Chelsea. But, but you know, that's what Stevie's going to do. He's going to have to learn on the job. There's no, there's no plan there. All the experience he's got from all the managers he's worked with, yeah, there's ideas coming there, but you have to have clarity yourself. You have to have, make the decisions yourself. It's a completely different job. But he will learn quickly, and he's got Gary Mack with him, yeah. and those two will be a, will be a, a, a terrific team for them. But um, they need time. They definitely need time at Rangers. Um, what are players like when someone walks into a dressing room for the first time and maybe they are an inexperienced manager? What is the reaction of the players? Are cutthroat? Do you give them time? I, I, I think you get that instant, you know, you, you hear as a player, don't you, that the, the announcement's been made, whether that's the, the manager departing for whatever reason, the new manager being appointed. Um, you know, I, I've experienced it, and, and Glenn was one of the managers that came through the door at Southampton when I was there as a player. And I think there's, the, the, there's profiles of former players or managers that command an instant respect, um, you know, with what they've done in their careers, either as a player and or manager. 
Um, and at the same time, I've sort of worked under players, uh, managers that have stepped up, like a Stuart Gray, who was within the coaching setup at the club, that stepped up to take the, the, the hot seat. So it's, it's those challenges and difficulties for the people taking the jobs themselves if they're within, if it's their first job or within the club. Um, but it's very much getting the players on board and buying into, like, um, you know, Owen said, the philosophy of your football, how you interact with the players themselves, the man management of the players as well is a, is a huge thing. It's not just knowing the game and putting that across, it's, it's how you deal with the players, more so the ones that maybe aren't in the side as opposed to the 11 that you are picking. And if you were to give him one bit of advice, if he rang you and said, Gaffer, come on, what do I need to know? What would be, the, what would be your little pearl no, of wisdom? I, I, I just think communication is, is the, the biggest thing for his team to communicate together because footballers don't talk anymore. You see them, they go on the coach, they never talk about football unless you They actually... WhatsApp each other. <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> but they don't communicate. Yeah. The freedom to, to open themselves up and, and, and get to midfield players to get to know each other, the defender, the different units. We used to do it at Southampton. We used to talk, make the players talk to each other about football, not about music or whatever. Yeah. They, they, they're, in, they're in each other's pockets for so long, but they don't actually sit down and talk. Get them to talk to each other and then you open it up and you communicate with players. Then you're all on the same page. Then you've got an opportunity to really do something. That belief has to be there as a unit of people working together. And uh, if he can do that, communication and get that going, he's got a chance. Right, we asked you a question earlier on today. It was, how far will England go at the World Cup this summer? First knockout or quarters? Got 58% of your vote, um, with 9% of people thinking we're going to make the World Cup final. I love the optimism of the... Oh, it was 8%. No, yeah, 8% now we're going to make the final. There you go. I love loving your optimism. Uh, right, let's, uh, let's quickly hear from some fans about what they're expecting from England this summer. For England, there's only one key objective for this summer, and that is to go further than last time. Group stages, it's not hard to ask from this squad. We have a capable side, we have a capable team. I do think we'll get out of the group and I think we will break our curse of not winning the knockout game since 2006. Um, but we're in the same half of the draw as Germany and Brazil, so could potentially be facing one of those in a quarter-final, and I don't think we'll get past either of them. Southgate, I was a little bit dubious with to start with, but his tactics have obviously been magnificent over the last few friendly games I've had. He's obviously changed the way that English football's been played. We look like we're better at keeping the ball, we're better at creating chances, uh, so I'm feeling pretty positive. I don't see why we can't go as far as maybe semi-finals or the final. Uh, come on, England. Good lad, love the positivity. Right, I've only got about five minutes left, so let's get into this then. Your England starting eleven. Talk us through it and why you've made the decisions that you have, Franny. Uh, okay, well, I've gone for Pickford in goal. Um, this is my lineup. You've got the three centre halves: Stones, Maguire, Walker. I think you know Walker playing in there can obviously double up as a, a right-sided player. But the two wing backs, Ashley Young, Trippier, can defend, can get forward. Um, Let me pick up John Joe Shelby. I know that'd be the one that you'd come to. Um, he was the one that was almost the questionable one for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, he's laughing. No, he's, be, he's the best he's, English no, passer of the ball from midfield. That, he is. And, that, and that's what he's, he's a player that's got a little edge to him. And, and, and that's the thing that would maybe be a question mark on the World Cup stage. You know, could he handle that temperament? But he's a player that I thought, you know, like a Wilshire, that has got that pass in him. You know, who's going to be that one that's that the creative player mm -hmm. in that position that can supply the players ahead of him? And as you can see from the the, the mock-up there, Lingard 
Kane's an obvious choice um, and Sterling. But Sterling, you know, you look at the form that he's had with his club. Has he really delivered that on the international stage? Maybe a bit of a question mark. Um, but I think the formation is something that would work for uh, this, this competition. But personally, I would like to maybe think, not necessarily look at being successful necessarily in this competition. I would like to see with the success we've had with our young Lions, maybe looking at a, a two, four, maybe even longer year plan um, to get success down the future as opposed to this tournament. OK. Owen, how does your starting eleven compare? Well, I think it's similar, really. I think I think Gareth Southgate's probably going to play a back three, that, hence that's why I've put in the back three. I just think Maguire and Stones, two ball-playing centre-backs who can come out with it. Jones with a bit more experience, he can be the more rugged defender. Pickford in goal, I think I don't think that's without question. Walker Rose, two terrific athletes down either flank. I think Henderson Dyer, I think in, maybe there's there isn't a ton of creativity in there, but if you're gonna get creativity from the forward players and the wing backs, then they can sit in and protect. Uh, and Ali Kane and Sterling up top. It was difficult actually to leave Rashford out. Um, but I think because Gareth wants to play a back three, uh, it was difficult to get all the players in. I'd love to see Rashford start as well. Glenn? Yeah, slightly different. I've gone with the three, obviously. I've gone there with Dyer in between those two. You've but, gone for it. You've yeah. got Rashford no, in. Well, this is the question. If you see at the top, it's for Tunisia, the first game. If you're playing Belgium first game, I, I wouldn't be picking that. But I want Rashford and Keane in my team. And I want Rashford to play in a position where I think he's not had opportunities for his club. He's having to be, he's get stuck out on the wide berth. That will take his defensive role a little bit away from him. So he, let him go and play. I wouldn't want to defend against Rashford and Kane. I'll tell you that now. If you're in a back three or a back four, that would be difficult. Attacking-wise, Lingard makes lovely runs off the ball. Dele Alli's a goal threat. Whether he's playing well or not, he gets into the box. Henderson would have to sit. I would take Shelby, no doubt about I'd take Wilshere, Loftus-Cheek, those types of All three of you haven't put Wilshere in your England squad. He was actually talking about England and he said he's hopeful, but he's not confident. We've got a dearth no, of midfielders I, and Jack Wilshere doesn't. No, in the squad. Why would you not start him? Not at the moment. Do you think no. he gives you a point of difference? I think though? he could go in there, no problem. I think there's a little battle there for offensive, yeah, defensive positions. It could, it, could, it could, really. If they play a three-man field, they could get in there yeah. as one of... If they're going to only play two in midfield, then I think it's a difficult, different role for Jack because you have to be really disciplined. Uh, so, but I think if they play a three, he could easily be one of those. Yeah, three. he could be one of them. Oxlade-Chamberlain Chamberlain was a sir. He was in, wasn't he? He was, he was great. But I think Deli Ali would have to just slightly change his role, his yeah. play, have a little bit more in that three in there, in the V. And if Dyer goes in there at certain games, you'd put Dyer and Henderson in there and reshape it a, a tad. But I think it, that three at the back is going to go with, and I'm excited with the three that we've got at the back, and any of the people that can come in, even Gomez might even make it. Who knows? One word answers, how far do we get? Uh, through the groups. Mm. You're not very confident, <laughs> Quarter-final. Mm. Yeah, I'm with Glenn, quarter-final. Anyway, yeah. Franny's right, it's, it's a learning curve for these boys. Stay together, build for the next tournament as well. Would that be good enough? Do you think people would accept that, quarterfinals? I think they probably will. And if you get knocked out by Brazil or, West, or, or Germany, I nearly said West Germany, didn't show me age. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think they would be acceptable of that, yeah. You're still wondering what WhatsApp is from earlier, aren't you? That's showing your age. <laughs> yes, you are. No one is. Um, you still look 21. You still look 21. Right, look, there's still loads of football to come in on BT Sport. Tomorrow, Hearts against Celtic from 11.45 in the morning. We've then got Sutton United against Boreham Wood tomorrow from 2.30. 
Liverpool against Manchester City, that's in the WSL, 6.45 on Tuesday. And then a bit more from Scotland Hearts against Hibs Wednesday from 7.15. And then Chelsea against Manchester United, of course, that one is the FA Cup final. And it's live here on BT Sport from 4 o'clock on the 19th of May. Look, thank you so much for all of your uh, support this season here on Premier League tonight. We've had over 10 million views on social media, hundreds of thousands of retweets and comments. We really appreciate all of that. Thanks for watching, and our thoughts tonight are with Sir Alex Ferguson. Good night. And we are singing Rafa Benitez <laughs> Hymns and Arias Just when you think you've seen it all <laughs> Land of my fathers Woo! You are so lucky! I don't know those are the moments that make football such a beautiful game to watch. That's all I can say! Thanks so much for joining us on Premier League tonight. We've loved every second of it and we can't wait for more next season. Bye-bye. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.